1: Small dose
0: self help from the hip. Small dose. We're talking that shit. Small dose. we keeping it real. Small dose. With me and Ms. Seals. It's so funky. Welcome, everybody, to an episode of Small Doses. To a not depressing, I'm not going to say we've been having depressing episodes, Morgan, but. (laughs) You know, you know, it's 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 a real thoughtful time, uh, in particular right now. So I've been really trying to do my due diligence of making sure that we are having very insightful conversations. Um I'm throwing in humor where I can, but really just insightful conversations that, are expanding our minds and, you know, just our considerations about things. And this conversation will be no different, uh, but it's going to be in a different realm. You know, we've been talking a lot about social justice. We've been talking a lot about Black things, um, just as that relates to social justice. We've been talking about, you know, politics. But today, we're going to talk tech. And (laughs) um, so our guest today, Morgan DeBond, You know Morgan, so I met Morgan in two thousand. Damn, it's been a time. Uh, I met Morgan in two thousand and sixteen, which I feel like blavity had just started to really permeate, right? Like Mm -hmm. two years in, right? Because you're two, and um, blavity. How would you define blavity? Because I have my version, but I wonder if it's the same.
1: Blavity is a House of Brands and digital media company for Black Millennials. We make the Black right. things for Black people online and offline, and we try to make things that people like.
0: Yes. The millennial part is the part, right? Because there is yeah. definitely a different tone, a different focus, and energy than, per se, brands like Essence or. Um, you know, Blossett, except you Bassett. know, Bossett, mm-hmm. Madame Moore, et cetera. Um, and I've been a fan of Blavity and just the quality of content that you guys create and the mindfulness um, around the content you create and the, let me let the dog
1: out real quick. Hold on. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, the dog is definitely waiting for you. And now they want you to follow them. Look at them.
0: Your dog's with you right there. I know. I saw him Ah. literally (laughs) run back in. Like he asked me to open the door and then was like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So, um, and you all have expanded substantially since we first met. And originally it was just a website. And I heard you say, you know, we are multiple of brands on and off online, et cetera. And so, I would love for you to just first start by telling us, like, why you felt like Blavity was necessary within the world of tech and within the online space. Because yeah, there were black spaces, but what made Blavity so special?
1: Yeah, so a little bit about me. I'm from St. Louis. Um, started my career in tech, working in Silicon Valley, working at a big tech company as a product manager.
0: So we're gonna stop and, there. Okay. Because you didn't. You went from St. Louis to Silicon Valley in I one did. sentence and, <laughs> and I know there was shit between there. So because I, I've been, but I've been to St. Louis and like, I feel like that's yeah. a very, that's like, that's a very aspirational jump. Yeah. I was
1: a weirdo. I was a nerd, you know? So, um, I call this time, the revenge of the nerds, you know, the nerds are winning everywhere. And, um, I have always been an entrepreneur. Like I've always been somebody who like was a hustler. Always like I traded in the stock market when I was 13. Oh, wow. Um, I was, played chess professionally. Like I had a chess coach. I did like chess oh. stretches. Like,
0: you know, <laughs> if you look stretches. up old
1: pictures of me, you're like, oh yeah, she was a nerd. Right. Know I, what I mean? <laughs> I
0: relate. I relate. I relate. I relate. <laughs> glasses. Braces, I was going to say, we found, <laughs> we found
1: our way. We found
0: our way. We found our way. Because the glasses. I a stylist
1: okay but yes um so i was uh but i what i really at the core was like i'm a community builder like i was somebody who always was like i'm gonna be in student government i was in more student clubs than i was in class like i was always just around people even though i'm an introvert but i like i like being in movement and i like um gathering people and i like empowering people to do it the hell they want to do. And really mm-hmm. for me going to PWI, that meant being student body president as a sophomore, controlling a like $3 million budget, and then being able to allocate money to student groups and other people within the campus community that I felt like were being overlooked. And what school was that? I went to Washington university in St. Louis. Got you. And um, as I was Trying to figure out what I was going to do after college, it was definitely a question of like, okay, you can go the traditional route and be a consultant or be a banker or go be a lawyer, but that's a pathway already defined. And there's like five to ten years from where I was as a recent college grad to being in a position of power to make a difference where I wanted to. But that's mm-hmm. at least that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And the thing about technology was that you didn't have to wait for anyone because right. the power is in on the internet. You can create something and build something and it blow up and you have millions of users or billions of users and you don't have to go and get a master's degree and then, 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 then do all these all the steps. things. Right. Yeah. So that's why I picked technology and moved to Silicon Valley where, you know, there's like five black people in Mountain View at the time <laughs> It was me, and my brother, at, who was at Stanford, and my co-founder now was at Palantir in Palo Alto. And um, but I loved the business of building things at scale and innovation. I loved learning about how all these companies—Facebook, Google, TurboTax—how they made things that we all used every single day that changed how we interact with the world and. Mm. The part that was pissing me off, the part that I was annoyed with and frustrated with was that nobody looked like us and they didn't right. ever think about us as target users. We were never the people they were doing research studies with. We were never the avatar, the persona. Jermaine never made it to the whiteboard. You know what I'm right, saying?
0: Right, right, <laughs> right.
1: And, and what are Why company- is that? I mean, I know my reasoning,
0: but like, do, what's their reasoning that they would have for that?
1: There's a lot of bias in the reasoning, you know, your target customer is your ideal profile, your ideal customer, your, your ideal person who's going to go through what we call your happy pathway of your product, who's not going to hit any bumps you design for that person. Well, why would you design for Jamal? Right. You don't even know Jamal.
0: I was going to say, you don't even know Jamal.
1: You okay. You Yeah. Um, and so once you see that, that, oh, shit, y'all aren't putting these products in Spanish, despite the fact that most people who should be using your product speak Spanish as the first language, but you don't, right? Once you start pointing these things out and seeing this and then seeing the friction and the responses that you get. And again, I'm talking 10 years ago, we've made some progress okay. in the in the tech space, but that, that was progress, but some progress. Um, but back then, people were like, girl, we don't need these products in Spanish. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, like maybe you do. It's a financial services app for filing your taxes. Um, and <laughs> I could have chosen to spend my whole life fighting people and doing that conversation over mm. and over and over again. I was 24 by then. So I'm like, man, I can already project my future if I stay here. Or I can take the roadmap. I can take the principles. I can take the framework and apply it to us, to our community, to our consumers, and put Jamal on the avatar next to Warren and next to Cynthia and next to Amanda. And I can say, all right, she went to Howard. How do we design for her? He lives in Brooklyn. How do I design for him? This person's over here. They're doing this. How do I design for them? Right. And so Blavity at our, our core is a company where we always put the black consumer, black audience, mm. black reader, black creative, black, uh, client, etc. first and designed for us. And that is why we've been able to emotionally connect with our content. You know, when you go on our Blavity Instagram, you're going to laugh, you know, cause that's what you want to do on Instagram. You want to laugh you want to think you want to share, you know, the content on our Instagram is not going to be the same content on your, our website. Cause when you go on our website, you weren't necessarily trying to laugh. You were trying to find information
0: information. Yeah.
1: So, but that's what it means to think like someone in tech. It's to design an experience that makes sense.
0: Is it, I'm going to throw something out there and you tell me if I'm right. I, If black people are not intrinsically involved in tech, we will continue to be left behind because tech is continually moving forward and being led by folks who already have more access than us.
1: A hundred percent, which is why my second mission after building Blavity was to build Afrotech, which is the biggest Black tech conference, the biggest Black tech community to onboard more Black people into technology roles and also more companies to get venture-backed be venture backable startups to raise venture funding and to be able to get to the next level in their business and hire people and do the things. Because to your point, we do need to participate in the ecosystem. We cannot just say, oh man, that's a bummer and like go work at Target corporate. No. Right. I'm going to, and Target's an tech client. So I say that no one choice. But it's a choice. But that's a choice. You know what I'm saying? I need you to go work at Coinbase. I need you to go work at, Uh, Twitch. I need you to go work at YouTube because behind the scenes, we're arguing about algorithms Mm. that show our content, right? Behind the scenes, we're talking about safety, you know, people feeling safe on Twitter. One of my girlfriends built the uh, spaces room on Twitter, black woman. You know what I'm saying? If she had not built it, she's the kind of person who's going to ask the questions about, okay, well, how do you block somebody? How do you, create safety in audio. How do you create, right? Because she's a black woman. She's going to bring that to the forefront. But if she's not in that room, then we wind up with products that don't make any sense. Like when Clubhouse first started, a lot of black people were like, "Mm, this is giving unsafe.
0: Why were they (laughs) feeling that way? I never got on Clubhouse because I just,
1: you know what, actually, that's why I I never got, I was like, nah. (laughs) I'm not trying to be attacked today. No,
0: I'm I'm not trying to be attacked. I was like, you know what? People already will go the distance to try to attack me. So if it's made even easier for them, I'm good. Yeah,
1: they have a lot of safety features now. And they have a diverse team now. And there's Black people on their cap table, meaning there's Black angel investors who are invested in them. So, but this is because we now have power in some of these spaces to start pushing these things forward. And part of it is because we've chosen to participate and be owners in these spaces.
0: So my financial planner... Which, again, we need to. Ha- I need to do an episode around that. Actually, I need to have him on the show because these are spaces that I feel like Black folks, we look at, and sometimes it's like in an ivory tower. Like, I don't even know what to do with a financial planner, right? Yes. Or we think, like, I don't make enough American money. Trust. Yes, exactly. And so in working with him, and shout out to JLS who connected us, um, he's taught me so much. And one of the things he was telling me was like, okay— We need to invest in places that need our voices, even if they don't think they need our voices. And one of the examples was Microsoft, because he was like, he and some other, you know, folks that are wealthy, they invested in Microsoft, and Microsoft has face recognition technology that police are using, et cetera. And he was like, this technology is very faulty and mm-hmm. it has incredibly, uh it, it can have incredibly adverse effects on our community and it has That's done right. so. And he was like, but we were able to basically, it's, I think it's called like work our shares or something like that. And mm. because there was enough of them That were shareholders in Microsoft, they were able to be able to push the conversation around technology and saying like, no, this needs to be addressed and we have shares and these shares need to be acknowledged as part of the way that this Mm -hmm. technology is dealt with. But those are spaces that I feel like we just, they seem so niche and I've been really working hard, Morgan, to try and, and I feel like Glavity does this too, to just try and really push the envelope of where black folks are considering our spaces to be cuz i think yeah. tech technology is one of those spaces is our space though. <laughs> yes. like
1: think about black planet think about how revolutionary black planet was mm you know what i'm saying like but we even just black calling- innovation we're innovators like- But think about it. we were, or your MySpace page, if you had a marquee (laughs) that was going across, you coded that, that was HTML. I don't understand how I used to know how to code. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. So like, you're actually, we could have and should have been much further along because we were all back there like, oh, I'm going to get this blank, blank, blank. Yes. I'm going to figure out how to make this marquee. (laughs) And, but- at some point, we didn't think that that was a career track. At some point, we didn't understand that that mm. was a place for us to continue to build into an occupation. And the key is for us to not keep making that mistake gener- generation after generation, which is why I brought up, you know, we need to talk about Web3 and make sure that people, because this is another transition point that's happening where we don't have to be left behind.
0: Okay, so Morgan, when we before we got on, Morgan was like, yeah, we can talk about Web3, we can talk crypto. And I'm like, okay, wait, back up. I didn't even know there was a web two, so I don't even know how we got to web three. So can you please help us? Because I know there's people that are in their car right now that are like, what, 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 what was web one? Um, <laughs> Al Gore's internet? So can you please help us understand no, the evolution of the web and how we've gotten to web three and, and and what you would like to see us as a just a black community do differently in terms of interacting with it?
1: Yeah, so first I have to say, this space was really really fast. Uh I'm not an expert. There's people who've studied this for 5, 10 years. Um and but I will share what I know. Okay. So, um web 1 was read and write. So like the first version of the internet was like I have information and I need to put it someplace so someone else can read it. <laughs> right? And that's when like servers were like the sizes of rooms and like Google was a search engine and Amazon, when you were like just buying books, like it was very one to many, right? That was web one. Web two was user generated content, which is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, social media. It is, uh, we are creating things on platforms and going back and forth with one another, but the platform still owns all of our intellectual property. You post a tweet, Twitter owns it, (laughs) right? You post something on Instagram, Instagram owns it. Like music, Spotify, SoundCloud, like all these things are platforms. They're monetizing our information and our data. That's why all of a sudden, you know, when Apple updated their stuff and we all have to opt in 101 times. And that's why people are talking about the death of the cookies, how every single website, you have to like, do you agree to the terms of services? Because previously you didn't have to agree and everybody was selling all of your data. Right. Yeah. Right. When you do your ancestry.com or any of these types of DNA testing things, they're not bajillion dollar companies because they're making money off your 499 test.
0: (laughs) I'm picking up what you're putting down.
1: Right. They're packaging up your data and they're selling them to pharmaceutical companies. So pharmaceutical companies can run large data set tests against things instead of on humans or rats or whatever. So I'm okay with it, kind of, but you're not getting the revenue that you sell your data. You're actually, it's kind of like a bit of a Trojan horse in that like, you think you're getting this, but actually they're, they're really this type of company. Same thing with Google. You think, oh my God, thank you for making Gmail like free. You see all those ads on Gmail? You know, they're looking through and tagging you. They were, I don't know if they are now, right? So Mm -hmm. we as consumers have been participating in a system and that's why when people like, oh my God, I don't understand how like Jeff Bezos is so rich. I don't understand how like these companies can be worth more than the United States government have more cash. Apple has more cash than the United States government. That is not from selling iPhones the hardware. It's because of the data infrastructure and the advertising and the transactions on things like the app store. So when you talk about companies becoming the size of countries in terms of their economic power, then we have to say, oh my gosh, how do we re-centralize this? How do we decentralize this and put power more in the hands of the people? And so all these nerdy coders came up with all of these different, what we call protocols and digital laws that um, were the foundation of Web3, which is where the world is moving now. And that's when people talk about blockchain or metaverses or like Fortnite, how you can go in and buy things and you have their own ecosystem. That's what Web3 is moving towards. It's community ownership.
0: Community ownership. And the ownership is in... Community ownership
1: of your own data, your own assets. I see community ownership of the platforms. So let me give you an example, and and this is the thing that's important. I'm going to just talk about Web three, but there's different parts of Web three. There's NFTs. Like when people talk about, oh my gosh, Jim and Kimmel is talking about. A, he bought a JPEG of a bored ape, or Justin Bieber bought this thing for three hundred thousand dollars. But it's just an image. Why would he do that? Those are NFTs. Then you've got metaverses. So that's when like you can put on your avatar and you can go walk around. Like Afrotech has been running a metaverse called Afrotech world where you can have your avatar and you can walk around on your computer and you can talk to each other. And we do our whole conference because of COVID, we do our whole conference in a metaverse for the last two years. Creepy, but also necessary, so but also. <laughs> we had boats. It was an Island. We had boats. You could walk around. You could spontaneous see people like it was very cool and we have one this week i'll send you a code so you can check it out like it's super I'd love fun. to um then there's blockchain there's cryptocurrency so then there's the stories of like so and so about bitcoin like 10 years ago another bajillionaire like that's right. cryptocurrency <laughs> right so there's a bunch of different things that are happening but all of this is under the umbrella of Web three
0: And so when it comes to cryptocurrency, you know, I think a lot of us consider it to just be for folks that are in this like very elevated, nerdy space. But would you say that it is going to be far more mainstream than it really is now? A hundred
1: percent. I mean, the big banks, Goldman, Morgan Stanley, are starting to add cryptocurrency to their balance sheet and also underwrite um things that are in Web3. In other words, once some of the most conservative banks in the world are starting to, uh, integrate them into their financial systems and states and federal governments are adding laws. The state of Tennessee just passed a crypto law. So, you know, it took just yesterday, Congress didn't even know how Facebook made money when Mark Zuckerberg was, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But but they, they're they're like, oh, but we're going to regulate this money.
0: It's ironic because it's like they're simultaneously moving forward while moving backwards. They're like, we're going to regulate this money and like really understand the tech world, but we're also going to become more archaic by like rescinding civil rights laws, by rescinding um, reproductive laws.
1: They're losing power because of Web3. Like like Web3 allows for a decentralized set of power dynamics people are creating their own communities on the blockchain and think like so let me just give you some examples because i need I know to know what the crazy. blockchain is
0: too because I,
1: <laughs> i've heard the word blockchain and i
0: i thought i knew what it was but i don't
1: it's too much to try to explain <sighs> got you sitting. but let's just call it a centralized ledger so let's okay. say that, um, let's, let's make an Amanda Seals world. Okay. Okay. So what if I could tell you that every single person who's gone to one of your comedy shows got an NFT, they got proof that they attended one of your comedy shows, right? So, you know, sis was there rocking with me back in the day. What would you have offered to that woman who's been supporting you since day one? What kind of access would you be open to giving her, rewarding her for her Deep loyalty, not these new people, but OG people who've supported you. You may say, I'm gonna give you access to a lifetime pass. Whenever you want to come to something, if you was rocking with me 10 years ago, honestly, I'm gonna give you a lifetime pass. Or I'm working on a new show. I would love for you to see it first or so be invited to the red carpet as my guest. You might come up with different ways to uh reward people who've been rocking with you from the beginning. But how would you know that it was true? Right? Like you would give them an NFT, a non-fungible token. You would give them proof that they had attended, and then you could look it up on the centralized ledger that nobody can mess up on the centralized public ledger, and say, "Oh, it's true."
0: <laughs> I see.
1: Because I could be like, "Yeah, girl, I was what you. What you talking about?" It's a record. A centralized public record that the government can't mess with.
0: So who runs it?
1: Everybody runs it. It's a whole thing. There's servers everywhere, and this is where it starts to get very technical. Somebody's and, running
0: it. Somebody's running no, it. This makes me feel no. like the <laughs> vendetta. Somebody's no.
1: running it. No. And most importantly, the U.S. government's not running it. Fair. It's global. Okay. Um, and that's also why it's really exciting. Actually, when you talked about um, you know, black access and black people, the real opportunity for us as black people is that when we start to build our own economics, centralized Mm -hmm. systems, like I could say, Hey, Amanda, if you have your own, someone who has your NFT, I'd be like, Oh, bet they can come to Afrotech. If you get this, you get this. Right. So we can start to do trades in ways that aren't us dollars.
0: Ah, and there's a centralized
1: ledger. And so another example, Ooh. Coachella just released their own NFT collection. Coachella did. And okay. it sold out immediately. And they have different levels of NFTs that you can buy that get you access to different passes. They even have a lifetime access to Coachella Pass. And it has all these things. Like you get a credit for food and beverage. You get to be on the, on the stage for this. You get to do this. You get to do that. And... So, there's a lot of practical ways. Think of it also, you could do it as a digital membership, right? Like Soul House could have been an NFT, or your local YMCA could be an NFT, right? Like you can create access uh, as a digital membership by owning an NFT. So, it's not just the JPEG or the image. It's like, what does the image get you access to? It's a community.
0: I think that's the part that a lot of us have not known it's about. The that's image. Stre-
1: yeah. yeah.
0: That second part is the one that hasn't really been illuminated. I feel like I've just been trying to understand why this image itself is so impactful valuable. or, vi- yeah, valuable. And I'm like, it's a it's it's a smoking dog. I don't know.
1: You and know? that's the and stuff that will change over time. And I think like okay. that's why you know, Web2, original companies of Web2 don't really exist anymore. It's like, who uses Lotus Notes? No one okay <laughs> right like things will die like companies will die things will go away there will be fads there will be ups and downs who would have thought the periscope would have died or vine would have died? you know things go up right. and down and left and right so don't be attached to the companies Platform. or the trends or the platforms or whatever it's the concept and the way of thinking and the underlying laws of how we're operating and Generally, that's, that's blockchain, which is what enables us to do all of these things. So, um, yes, you can go buy a JPEG, and that'll get you access to some party in New York. And this, but that community may die in two years.
0: I see what you're saying. So you're just like, you know, if you buy this NFT, don't think of it as like a forever thing. you got to understand that buying it and it getting you access is you more so just involving yourself in a community that's operating. And by nature, by you getting into that mix, you are trans, you are, what's the word I'm looking for? You're moving further along. Like you're not staying in a different age. You're getting
1: access to new people. People share information. People give, drop people money. People send people uh, send each other other NFTs. So if you have one NFT, it might be like, oh, now that you have this one NFT, you now get access to the second NFT that's also worth money. And then and then and it keeps going. And so um, like AfroTech has an NFT ticket for AfroTech. So when you buy the NFT for Afrotech, which is the same price as the regular ticket. Okay. But now I know that you're about it and now I'm gonna reward you for it. So now I'm gonna be like, hey, here's some merch. Hey Here's this private party. Hey, next year's on me, right? Because now you're, you've opted into our community. We have a online community platform called Discord, which is where we all talk and share information and people can talk to each other. We could offer, create an Afrotech token where we could have an Afrotech currency where we pay our speakers in US dollars or Afrotech tokens that can be redeemed for other things, right? So you start to build your own internal economics that are not regulated by the u.s government
0: because you're not paying taxes well it gets weird the tax code is
1: crazy but that's why everybody's like oh we gotta get the tax code that's why the government's like hold up right because i'm just like this is you do pay taxes on nfts because they're assets that sell and appreciate in value but it is very everyone's playing catch up it's a mess
0: I mean, even in this short conversation, I'm beginning to understand this way differently. And I think that, is it fair to say, well, yeah, it is because you were saying that, you know, things change so rapidly. Like right now, this is the way NFTs are being the most effective and the way they're being utilized. But we're going to see that shift as with anything, but as the government becomes more aware and tries to weasel its way in to regulate, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And my request of black people is that we participate because it will evolve and move by the people who are involved and move it. It's just like a political campaign. We must ask the questions to the candidates. We must participate in early voting so that they know that we're watching Mm -hmm. and they're responding. So if if Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or progressives, you know, if we just let conservatives run a whole thing and progressives don't ask questions, you're gonna go far to the right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, go this way, going far to the right. (laughs) You know, but if everybody's talking then people wind up in the middle. So if black folks aren't participating These white boys are going to run it up, and they already are.
0: (sighs) They already are. When would you say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how do you challenge that uh, in the work that you guys are doing, like, in in a practical way?
1: Well, I try not to make it about them. I try to make it about us because I would be exhausted trying to change white people's minds about us. Yep. So my biggest thing, I just had a meeting about it this morning, is like we need to onboard as many Black people as possible to the basics of Web3, of blockchain, blockchain, of buying a fractional piece of cryptocurrency, even if it's $50, even if it's like $10, um, being creators in the space and actually knowing how to do that. So to me, my mission and Blabity's mission and Afrotech's mission is to be as As we're learning, share. Let's not wait till we're perfect. Let's not wait till, you know, 10 years from now when I have a PhD, like, we need to, we don't have time to wait. We're already behind. We need to, like, get as much information out as possible. And simultaneously, we need to work with these tech companies to make sure that they continue to have diverse employees Mm -hmm. so that as they're building these platforms, they're building these tools, they're coming up with the future, you know, Instagram is not the future, (laughs) right it's on its way out not its way in right right companies that are on their way in we need to make sure we are early employees of those companies
0: yes yes um is there so when you talk about like onboarding what does that look like is that just continuing to create uh is that just continuing to share information through the blavity channels
1: is that so that would be everyone on this podcast going and doing their own research
0: like literally
1: like Spending time on YouTube. There's so many incredible YouTube channels. Um, there's a podcast called Bankless. There's a lot of really great conversations that you can just passively listen to so you get used to the vocabulary because it is a vocabulary, just like anything else. Yes. I
0: mean, you're using words, even like venture. I was like, I'm not sure folks even know what venture means. You know, we had Arlen Hamilton on the show. uh, And so Arlen, you know, definitely. So if you guys have not listened to Side Effects of Being, um, what was that episode? Side Effects of Being Under estimated i think it was um because arlen hamilton was just that she was like you know folks did not believe in me but i got it together and now i have a multi-million dollar venture fund Mm -hmm. and venture capitalism is people who make money investing in other people's ideas
1: yes i have raised 12.8 million dollars in venture capital funding and it is not so that people gave me all this money but i'm gonna give it back and then some and that's even crazier (laughs) (laughs) And what do you do with
0: that money? Like when you say you're going to give it back and then some, how does that actually get applied?
1: Oh, well, that would mean we sell its acquisition or IPO, you know, and then they get their money back and plus the (laughs) return. And so do I, you know, Right, Um, and so do my employees. And then all of a sudden we have black millionaires running around.
0: All of a sudden we have billionaires running (laughs) around. Um. When you talked about earlier about how Blavity has multiple products, can you just give us some insight into just the ways in which Blavity has expanded and why you decided to go into these other spaces?
1: Yeah. So Blavity purchased and acquired uh, Travel Noir, Shadow and Act. Um, We own, of course, Afrotech, which we created in-house, 2190 and Summit 21. Um, And we also have an ad network that's the largest Black ad network for uh, black publishers, which includes, which means we run ad sales. Like when you go on their websites and you see ads, our team is running the ad technology and selling those advertisements on behalf of black publishers, like the shade room, baller alert, um, Hollywood unlocked, uh, and a variety of other black publishers. And the reason we do that is because we're stronger together when we go into these big agencies and we go to these big brands and we say, Hey, you can't overlook us you have to pay attention to us. But if it's just little old me and I only have a million, you know, followers, yeah. They don't have to pay attention to me. But collectively we're much stronger um and also it's a supply and demand. If you don't work with us, you don't get any of the audience because I got it all over here. And we've been doing this right. for years. Um and that is one of the reasons why Blavity Inc as a company has been able to be so powerful but also stay true to our brand is because we've been able to control and to influence the industry instead of just being at the whims of what these big marketing and agency companies wanted to do. And that's also why I had to buy and build more brands than just one, because we're a multifaceted community. Like the person who likes travel noir doesn't read levity. The person who goes to Africa Mm -hmm. doesn't read Shadow and Act. They don't even know what Shadow and Act is, you know, but for the Shadow and Act community, they're like, I read Shadow and Act every day. But it really to speaks to
0: the mo- yes, we're not the monolith. And we say that all the time and I feel like, you know, what you're explaining in just the way that you all have, have acquired these different spaces is the uniqueness of your brands um path what is it path to happy? Yes,
1: that my happiness path, like my your happiness
0: path. pathway <laughs> <laughs> yes. The customer pathway. I mean, with Smart Funny and Black, like, I've really tried to just get a better understanding of our audience in that way. And I think in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm just doing a comedy show. But as it became more about community mm-hmm. and more about just like who's actually coming to this show and what do they want yeah. in coming to this show, it really has shifted. And then we, during the pandemic, so when you were talking about the metaverse, we did a version, of, I mean, um, when you were talking about Afro- Afrotype being meta. Yes. We did like a version of that for Smartphone and Black where you could go into like a pre-show that had like vendors oh, and yeah. you Use could go- Yeah, we used Hopin and yeah. but then Hopin was doing too much. Yeah. Um it's so and- not web3,
1: but it's closer.
0: It's closer. I mean, it was I'll say this, I had never considered anything like that ever. Like I didn't even know that was possible that people could be in that space in multiple different ways. I guess that's what I mean. Like you could right. be looking at vendors, but you could also be like doing one-on-one conversations, yeah. and you could also be listening to the DJ and like be in the room with the DJ we had spinning. And I was like, I think this is different. <laughs> this yeah, this is feels moving, not like a Zoom. <laughs> yeah, it d- and that was the goal, you know, and that was the goal. But I. I'm also curious, just, you know, you're not just a Black person in tech, you're a Black woman in tech. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what has that been, what has that experience been for you? And I'm not assuming that it's been a struggle, but I'm just curious in terms of, like, you're on a team that started with two brothers and you. Mm -hmm. You have a unique point of view that you're bringing to that conversation. So I would love to hear just more about, like, what your path and your space has been and what you want it to be.
1: Well, You know, I think that being a black woman in tech, being a black founder, raising venture funding in a majority white venture funding world, people who are investing in these companies is shit. You know, it's not necessarily easy. Like, I I don't want to say like, yeah, like, no, don't (laughs) get punched in the face every day, like (laughs) verbally or emotionally. Right. Like, yeah, it's definitely difficult. Um, And I think it's difficult for any woman, black woman in power internally and externally within the own company. You know, there's certainly times I'm like, you're disrespecting me because I'm a woman. You're disrespecting me because I'm a black woman and you think we're friends. But if I was a white man, you wouldn't treat me like this. In the same way that VCs and investors, when you're evaluating my company, you're asking me 101 questions and I know you didn't ask Jimmy over here because Mm -hmm. you don't either believe me that what I tell you is real, how much revenue we're doing or how much our audience is engaged. You don't believe me. I don't get the benefit of the doubt. Right, and I also don't get to make mistakes when I make mistakes. They hurt and they linger, and that you know, like it doesn't. I don't bounce back as fast. I don't. Right, and
0: what's what's considered a mistake? Because so much of this is so willy nilly that I'm just like, how are we even considering things mistakes?
1: Let's say I miscalculated our cash flow, and all of a sudden our revenue, our like our bank account looks low. Right, we've got a lot of money coming in, but it's accounts receivable. Right, so they haven't paid us yet. And we've got bills coming out. And let's say one of my investors looks at the bank and says, oh my gosh, you only have a million dollars left in the bank. We're running out of money. You're messing up. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, we're fine.
0: <laughs> like yeah. it's
1: coming in. It's We're doing the things like it's fine. Like maybe it, I told, I know I told you it was going to be 1.5 in the bank, but it's only one, but like, we're fine. If I was a white man, I think I would have been given the benefit of the doubt. It's like, okay, Cool. Here's a couple more weeks. Like, let's just check in. But as a Black woman, it's like, okay, we got to meet every day. Send me a report every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I'm getting all these additional consequences for, like, I'm a first time founder. That was just a little bit of a a misjudgment. These things are fluid. And so that's the challenge because then you think you're crazy. It's like, it's Mm. not explicit and they don't mean to. And this isn't a real example. I'm just making one up, but like, those are the types of things where I'm saying, we're not given a bit of the doubt and that can be exhausting. And so I, when I talk to my black female friends that are founders and entrepreneurs, we might have the same numbers as, as Susie, but we're tired. We're ready right. to get out. We're exhausted. We don't feel fueled. We don't feel energized. And so I spent a lot of my time trying to build community for entrepreneurs and for black women. Because we just need to hang out with each other, yeah. and play with each other, and just be okay being ourselves and not always being on. What keeps you in it? Um, I think that I've tried to get out a couple times mentally. Like, there's been a couple times. It's not that I've always tried to be like been in it. Like, there's definitely times where I'm like, you know what, I need to just fall back for a second. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like quit my job. I'm going to quit my job and the CEO. Love this company. And That's not it. crazy, though. I but mean, sometimes it, you're just like, you know, I'm about like, to
0: go start a scuba school in Maui. You know
1: what <laughs> I'm saying? I'm about to go to Costa Rica. <laughs> you know, but those are the times when I, like, talk to my co-founders. And I literally be like, look, I need y'all to pick up a little bit over here because I need to fall back. All right? Or, like, I do need a vacation. Um, I moved. I left L.A. And I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I left out of the rat race of L.A. because I was like, it's not sustainable for me here. Mm. I don't feel... When I'm finished with work, I still feel tired. I don't feel... Oh my God, I don't know anything ease.
0: about that. I
1: don't know anything
0: I don't about that. <laughs> right.
1: And now I live in Nashville where nobody bothers me. <laughs> and, you know, it's not a constant, hey, can you go here? Can you come here? Can you come film this? Can you come do that? Can you go to... Blah, blah, blah. And you just have to say, no, 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 no. And you feel...
0: Shitty for like, saying oh, I no. Oh, I don't live yeah. there.
1: <laughs> I live... In the middle of nowhere in Nashville, Tennessee, which is actually kind of popping. Listen, a lot
0: of people <laughs> live in Nashville. Like Jill Scott yes. live in Nashville. NDIRE live in Nashville. Like my music director for Smartphone and Black just moved to Nashville.
1: I'm like, vibes.
0: it's, it's vibes. vibes. Now Tennessee laws are
1: not vibes. Tennessee laws. This no state income tax, however. But yes, I hear you.
0: There's no state income tax in Tennessee. Interesting. No. I mean, it's
1: Republican state.
0: Right. That makes sense. It's a weird place though. I've been seeing a lot of just like random stuff coming out of Tennessee around just different bills that are getting introduced. And I'm like, you're looking really Florida, Tennessee. You're giving Texas. Yes. (laughs) You're really getting a little willy nilly with it. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like
1: it either. I don't like it either. And yet I would rather be here and donate and be active.
0: Yeah. I hear and that. have
1: the space to be active.
0: Yes. And, and the energy. Like,
1: you know, versus being like, I actually can't care about anything right now because I'm doing my best.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I'm doing my, yeah. because, because that really is real. And this LA, and I know there's folks listening that can attest to this. It has an energy where also like, if you can get caught in the space of, even if you do get downtime, it can feel like it's not downtime. It's, neg- it's negligence, you know, yes. like I, I, I shouldn't be relaxing right now because I'm letting something pass me by, you know,
1: right. and so and was at brunch right now and they invited me and so and is this and they're working on this and I said, I would listen to their this and you know, it's a lot and it's never enough in LA and New York and some of these other cities too. I mean, it's not just the LA problem.
0: So do you see yourself like engaging in the metaverse? Like, would, do you like go in that mix? I feel like I'm too
1: old. I just got an Oculus, um, meta, which is Facebook's new name, sent me one. And I was like, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna put it on. (laughs) And then I had so much fun. I was just in my room looking like a crazy person, just moving around. I was doing a video but <laughs> I had, I had a lot of fun. Now I'm not going to be one of those people that just like sits on the Oculus and like just tunes out the world, but I do think it, I like it, video games. Um, and so I really think that there should be black metaverses. Like what if literally you could just pop in your avatar and like me and you could actually just like hang out and walk around and play a video game together. And like, I think that building communities mm. in real life and off and online actually will bring us closer together because you don't have the physical financial barrier of things and the, the distance right. barrier globally. And like, so I do think there's opportunities for good, but only if people like us decide to opt in and make the good things or else it's going to just look more like white men making dumb things for themselves. Yeah. Sounds about right.
0: This is a yeah. this is a um, unrelated question, but related. Did you watch Queen's Gambit? Yeah. Did you like
1: it as a chess obsessed. champ? Obsessed. I was obsessed with it. Obsessed. Um And I did similar things. Like I remember I would make sure that my mom put rollers in my hair the night before my chess match because I knew that the cuter I looked, the more they would underestimate me, and they would use their experimental like chess openings instead of the one their standard one, and then they would make mistakes, and I would check them. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, no, I, I was obsessed, yes.
0: How much do you feel like your knowledge of chess has come to help you in your knowledge of handling business?
1: Oh, 100%. Learning chess taught me how to think strategically and to think through matrix of the decisions. In other words, when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're playing chess, you don't just think about your move. You think about, okay, I move here, then they move there. And then if they move there, where am I going to move? And if I move there, then, where, then what are we going to do? And then how do I get over here? right? And then it's like, well, if they didn't make that move, they make this other move, then I'm going to do this, right? So you're constantly think learning how to think through complex interactions. And you also have to read their body language. Do I think this person's a risk taker? Do I think this person's going to try to catch Ooh. me on this mistake over here? Like, do I think that they're nervous? Do I think they're paying attention? Do so they get distracted? So you also become really good at, it's like poker, you become really good yeah. at reading people. Yeah. Um, so yes, I definitely think I use those types of strategy things. And so, if you have kids or anyone who's listening to this is like, yeah, okay, but I don't want to learn how to play chess. Teach your nieces and nephews. Like it is really good as a young brain is evolving and growing for them to learn how to think strategically.
0: Sure is. We gotta think strategically, y'all. Strategery is very important. Um, <laughs> Uh, Strategy. We have a segment here on the show called the script, where we provide our listeners with some supplementary uh, information. Well, some supplementary resources to help expand this conversation. And in this case, I feel like it's more important than ever because I feel like for a lot of folks, this conversation had a a lot of newness. Um, Mm -hmm. So, would love. I know you mentioned some stuff earlier, but would love if you could provide um, any more examples of. you know, whether it's podcasts or YouTube channels to follow or books, et cetera, that people can like sink their teeth into, to help get on the good foot in web three and more.
1: Yeah. So, um, Coinbase, which is one of the biggest companies that, uh, has crypto products, cryptocurrency products. So like a bank, um, has a website called crypto basics by Coinbase. And it's just really good, Quick videos on just the basic terminology. So, I think that's a great place to start. Um, there's a podcast that I mentioned called Bankless, mm-hmm. um, which is a podcast teaching about the financial, like more conceptual parts of Web3. So, when I was talking about, you know, the US dollars run by the United States government, but what happens when governments don't run dollars and currencies? Mm-hmm. What can that unlock for us? So, that's called Bankless Podcast. Um, and there's actually a lot of Black folks doing interesting things in the space too. Snoop Dogg is one of the biggest NFT collectors. So follow Snoop Dogg on Twitter. A lot of this stuff is happening on Twitter. So follow okay. Snoop Dogg on Twitter. Look up, literally, NFT Twitter. <laughs> the hashtag okay. is, is a thing. Just like Black Twitter. And just hang out and click around. Juvenile has a project coming out in, in Twitter. I mean, on an uh, NFT project coming out. Nas did some cool stuff in NFTs. Kanye, of course, did an NFT project. Um, so we're doing things. We're in it. We're in it.
0: And you can be in it too, y'all. Yes. You and you can, can join the AfroTech
1: Discord if you want to learn with us. Yes, yeah. It's free. It's open. Um, I'm in there. You can hit me up. I will literally DM anybody, all these resources, like whatever. However, I can be helpful. It is a part of my responsibility and my job and Blabity's responsibility to do this work.
0: Uh, when is the next tech?
1: Thursday. Oh! <laughs> How are you even having time to do this? Oh I have 100 God. employees. Fair, 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 fair.
0: <laughs> um, is there still available? Is it, is it virtual? Is it in
1: person? This is our metaverse experience. So this would be a great opportunity for people Um, who want to experience the metaverse for the first time. It's super easy. Um, And yeah, there's tickets still available. Just go to experience.afrotech.com. And then we have our big conference in Austin, Texas in November, which I would love to have you at. We can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. And that's 10 to 20,000 Black folks in this space coming into Austin, Texas to kick it, to learn. We have music. We've got all these fun things. And you'll actually just get to meet the people building this stuff. You'll have stand-up comedy. It'll be a great time. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> Just send me to your agents. The CIA uh, uh, me. Where am I going?
0: <laughs> you're going to UTA to Mark Gordon. UTA, um, all right. Tell me, uh, real quick, Rebecca, can this air Wednesday? I would love to get this up so that people can join Afrotech like on the fly, if that's possible. You mean Ali who's right here? (laughs) I was like,
1: okay. Um, If it doesn't work, it's, there's still plenty of stuff like Aperture is always doing things this is our only metaverse this year um so then let me so. frame
0: it let me frame this um so by the time this airs people have missed the metaverse uh i'm just giving a different mm-hmm, just in case yep drats by the time this airs people will have missed the metaverse so if they missed the metaverse um, I'm, what are the Afrotech things that they can get involved in between now and s- there's going to be a big one in November?
1: Yep. So they can join, um, the discord they, so that they can stay connected to the community and you can come to our big conference in November, which is in Austin, Texas. Um, but I think the first thing is like, just follow the accounts on Instagram, follow the TikTok. Get familiar, join the email newsletter. This is all free stuff besides the conference. So, first, just get comfortable and familiar with vocabulary. And also know that there's like thousands of Black folks really out here doing this, you know? Like, so we're going to speak your language. Yeah, you there's community. Like, yeah, <laughs> like we're well, yeah, here. Like, we kick it, you know? So, those, those are the first steps. Join the Discord, follow us on the social platforms, start reading, start investing your time. Treat it like you go back to school for a second. You know what I mean? Yep. To get onboarded onto this stuff. Like, just take an hour a week. Yep. And just slowly study it.
0: You heard that, y'all? Treat it like you're going back to school for a second. That right there is such important advice because so many of us, like... I don't know. We just don't give ourselves permission to like have a discipline about learning something new. And then we get side swiped. You know, we get blindsided. When I bought my house, I had to treat it like I was going back to school for a second. I had to just learn like, okay, this is all new vocabulary. I need to read up on some things. You don't got to do it forever. You already have a whole life of experience that you're standing on. So it's not like you're starting from scratch. I think a lot of us, we always are afraid that like, oh man, this is going to be so much. But even when I, I'll take it to even when I started learning about what was, about what's going on in Palestine, you know, there was a kind of fear I had at first about, and th- and that fear was instilled by outward um, places as well and people, but this fear that like, oh, it's too big for me to understand, not realizing that like I have a, Lifetime of knowledge and information that I'm standing on to to be able to take this information in, and by the end of the day, when you hear about it, you're like, "Oh, I've seen this before. This is colonialism. I've seen this before. It's this the same shit." Um, so it's the same with tech. It's the same with. Even like I'm learning about, I didn't know shit about stocks and mm-hmm. mutual funds, et cetera. But when you just apply yourself for even a short amount of time, it just gives you language that your oppressor has been using from day one. And that is mm-hmm. so often, I feel like, the thing that keeps us out. We literally are not even in the conversation because we can't understand the conversation. So Right. The words
1: are foreign. And yes. if you're willing to spend $50 on that Uber or $100 on that Uber Eats, you should be willing to spend $50 or $100 to just buy a couple books and learn something new.
0: There it is. And there's like stuff online. There's like, um, you know, uh, master classes and. Yeah, Udemy
1: has a great program. Udemy is the name of it, it has tons of content as See? well.
0: So we're gonna get you there, y'all. And if you're following me on Patreon, we are also going to uh, have the script on Patreon. So if you miss any of these things, we'll have the script as well as some more added, additional resources that you can look to because we're working on expanding the script to our Patreon and being able to provide you all like a lot more information, not just what's here on the podcast, Morgan you so much. Morgan's always willing. Morgan is always giving herself to this Black community. You come out of St. Louis, so I get it. You know, St. Louis is definitely a place of community. We know that Ferguson was not the beginning of that being Mm -hmm. the case. And um, Mm -hmm. I love what you guys are doing at Blavity. We've worked together at Blavity before and to see Blavity continue to grow and expand under the umbrella of we doing this for the Black folks is just a beautiful thing. So... We gonna talk Afrotech November. We are gonna figure that out, and let's do it. Uh, you all get on Blavity, get on Discord, and let's let's get into this. There it is. Yeah. Um, fle- I have hundred employees.
1: Flex. I was like, slight flex. That's I what have. they do. No, I'm kidding. Nice. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, but uh, I can give you guys some NFTs to share. And give away to your Patreon folks, and really, yeah, like, honestly, Amanda, you're only like—we should have a separate conversation another day—but like, you're like two seconds away from a Web three community because you already have people paying for Patreon, and you already have a group of people organized in a fashion. Like, you're already basically there.
0: That's the story of my life, like being like you're so close, <laughs> like, and then me being like, ah, you know, yeah. yeah. And yeah. even with like Funny and black, and like us starting to get like back on the road again, like they're just—it's wanting to be able to connect, like the real to tech in like build that just, bridge. You're just
1: you're like there. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy for us to talk or just chat or I'll whatever. This can be it. Yeah,
0: I want to. I want to understand. I want to understand, Morgan. I want to <laughs> understand. <laughs> you
1: no, know, you've got it. You've got it. You're not. You already get it. It just needs to be reframed. Um otherwise you will. I'm so good. I have a house, I have a man, I have a life. It's great.
0: Ditto. There we go. We've come a long <laughs> way <laughs> since the since the <laughs> we were, so were like DMing each other
1: like so how does that work? What we get out of those? <laughs> ah! That's a conversation that we could have on the podcast yes. another day, which is how to do that.
0: Listen, I was living with my mother for three months, DMing with Morgan. Like, you know what I mean? during the panty. We're like, this isn't working for us. <laughs> we need to make some shifts. Um you know what I'm, saying? So I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Janet coordinate with your folks to get some time on the calendar. And I really appreciate you being willing to give me some more information in this space because I, I want to be not only in the space, but be able to do like you're doing and like onboard people from my audience to like get more into this because I do believe what I said, which is like, if we're not in tech, we're still behind. And
1: this is, this stuff is moving like crazy. So, um, yes, let's do it. Like I'm really chilling. So whatever's going to be your first Nashville life. I'm really chilling. Nashville (laughs) (laughs) life. for sure. And it is raining. It is giving rain. Okay, it is raining,
0: okay, yeah. All right. So. You guys have seasons, So there's that. Over here, it's like, so. eh, it was sixty six today, and it was ninety five last week. so there's that yeah no. yeah,
1: so all right. Well,
0: thank you. Thank you a podcast network.